It's great to be with you all this morning, and um, we are in our second week now on our summer preaching series on restoration. And so as we are emerging back into the world and getting to hang out more in person, we want to explore not just how to get back to normal, but how to go forward into the fullness of what God has for us. So, you know, one way or another, we, we've gotten here today, but there is definitely a shared experience that this season has been hard. I hope that's not just me. It's been a tough couple of years and maybe we've just been getting by, doing the bare minimum that we need to do in order to stay okay. But we believe as followers of Jesus in a God who loves to restore what is broken, lost, or forgotten. So last week, Naomi began by exploring that promise that Jesus makes to come and bring life to the full. And she reminds us that a full life in Jesus is a life that looks like his. So that's full of joy and celebration and, and also marked with suffering, but never experienced apart from the love of God. So this week we're going to explore another promise of restoration that God gives to us, the promise of restored rest. And I personally petitioned for us to just take a 20-minute nap instead of listening to me talk this morning, but unfortunately that didn't get the green light, so we're going to have to see what Jesus has to say. So today we're in Matthew 11, and that is one, um, Matthew is one of the accounts of Jesus's life, and Jesus is preaching to crowds of people in the Galilee um, at where we find ourselves in this passage. So it comes, this passage comes straight after this declaration that Jesus makes that he is the son of God, he is the way to the father. And so then in verse 28, we read, this is Jesus speaking. He says, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yeah, it's good. But I don't know about you, but I actually really like not resting. So I like a lion and I like the idea of resting. But when I'm awake, I actually prefer to be what is known as a very busy person. So this is like a VIP, but like with slightly less bragging because you're busy, you're not important. But I don't know if any of you read um, John Mark Comer's book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. I feel like it was very popular last year. Um, it's, an, it's a really brilliant book, honestly, about slowing down to make time for God. It's so good. Well, my friend refers to it as the ruthless elimination of joy. And I have to say, I get it. I really do. I see where she's coming from. When I was a student, um, there was one evening that I had where I looked at my calendar and I suddenly realized I didn't have any plans that night. So it was 4 p.m. and I just put on my PJs. And then I wandered around my flat in this state of confusion because it felt so weird to do that, but I wasn't sure why. And then I looked back at my diary and I realized that it's because I'd had plans every single night for the last four months. 
It's terrible, I know. I'd not had a night in in four straight months. Now, I hope that you're not as bad as that, and I've not done that again. That was very much a wake-up call for me. And I don't know, but I think that for a lot of us, the lockdowns have kind of been a similar wake-up call. And there was even a Guardian article about this last week, and it was great. So I'm going to tell you the title of it. So the subtitle, first of all, was the pandemic has made everyone think about what really matters and it isn't hustle culture working around the clock or pledging yourself to your employer like a surf so that in itself great writing already but do you want to know the title the title said even the best job will never love you back so where do we find our life's purpose the guardian is just asking all the big questions at the moment but in answer to this question, I humbly suggest Jesus. And last week, Naomi reminded us that the three most important words that Jesus says in John 10.10 10 is, I have come. And this week, we read of arguably the follow-on next most important three words, come to me. I have come, so come to me. This is such a beautiful symmetry in these verses, and it cuts to the core of what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. This is the heart of the promise and the invitation. Jesus has come, and he is uniquely able to offer freedom and purpose and rest as the Son of God, and he wants you. So will you come to him today? And maybe you're thinking, well, actually, this year has been one big block of inactivity for me. I don't need any more rest. Well, the truth is, is that you could be completely free of plans and still not have found any rest for your souls. Something that struck me when I was reading this passage again this week is that Jesus doesn't say, take off your yoke, but take up my yoke take up my yoke. And by the way, if you don't know what a yoke is, it's like, imagine two oxes side by side and they have this, this big like budge thing that joins them and then they plow the grass. I'm clearly an expert on yokes, so just take my word for it. But it's big and Jesus invites us to take up his yoke. So far from inviting us to take a load off, he, it actually seems like he's telling us to pick up something. And let's be honest, nearly all of us have probably faced times where praying or going to church or reading your Bible has just felt like one more thing that you have to do today. But allowing these things to drop off our schedule is never going to be the thing that gives us the rest that we crave. In the Old Testament, at various significant points, God reveals his character through his names. So in the time of the judges, which was a pretty lawless time where people just did basically whatever they wanted, we discover through God's relationship with a man named Gideon that one name for God is Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. Jehovah Shalom. God isn't just a way to peace. He is peace himself. How many of us have dropped peace 
off of our daily schedule. Jesus is teaching us here that the way to rest for our souls is more than just being free of plans. It's about taking up his yoke, making time for him, making space for having that relationship with him. And so making time for rest isn't as simple as just cancelling 10 different things that you're currently involved in, although it might require a little bit of that. We're still carrying stuff, but we're carrying it with Jesus. We're carrying stuff, but in the midst of that, we're discovering this peace. The message translation of this same passage refers to it as real rest. It offers much more than just the switching off your brain at the end of a long day kind of rest. Let me read the full message version to you. Some of you may be very familiar with it. It says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I love this particular version because it gives us just that little bit more about what that real rest looks like. It looks like unforced rhythms of grace. And what this means for us is that one of the least helpful things we can do is immediately turn it into a forced routine of the law. That's exactly the kind of rest that the Jews who were originally hearing the words of Jesus were already practicing. So in, the, um, in Matthew 11, it goes directly after Jesus preaches this passage, he goes and he breaks the Pharisees' rules on rest, on the Sabbath, and they wig out. Like, they are not happy about it. Now, Sabbath is important. Sabbath is the practice of taking a day of rest with God. But at the beginning of chapter 12, we read of Jesus and his disciples picking some food to eat in fields, and Jesus then heals a man's hand, both of which were seen as work and not rest. But all practices of rest with God, not just Sabbath, are born not out of this set of rules you have to follow, but out of God's unforced rhythms of grace. And grace knows our limitations and our weaknesses. Grace says, I have come, so come to me in the midst of our less than perfect circumstances and feelings. Jesus won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on us because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Now, believe you me, I'm still an advocate for spiritual disciplines, but only actually when discipline is understood not primarily as an outworking of the law, but as a means of grace. Richard Foster makes this clear in his book, The Celebration of Discipline, and he, when he discusses the question, he says, if human striving is insufficient and righteousness is a gracious gift from God, is it not logical to conclude that we must wait for God to come and transform us? Strangely enough, the answer is no. 
God has given us the disciplines of the spiritual life as a means of receiving his grace. The disciplines allow us to place ourselves before God so that he can transform us. God wants to restore rest so that it's not just us zonking out on the sofa at the end of a really long day, but instead it's a time to place ourselves before the God who is peace, who wants us to receive his grace. And when put like that, it doesn't really seem like so much of a chore to take up his yoke now, right? I do want to make one thing clear though. Jesus assures us that his yoke is easy and receiving his grace really is an incredible blessing. But that doesn't always mean that actually cutting out that busyness and making that space for time with God is easy. When we stop jam-packing our schedules and start resting and making space for that, we have to start paying more attention to what's going on in our heads and in our hearts. And we've probably already had an experience of this during the lockdowns. Restoring rest may require us to address some stuff. It may require us to reach out for support as we journey through that. And that's okay. Because in all of this, God wants us to turn to him. So he can use this process as a means for us to receive his grace. That is his good pleasure. Not long after my wake-up call, when I realized I hadn't had a night in in way too long, I did start to prioritize rest a whole lot more. And I was a student, so I decided that I was only going to do uni work nine to five, Monday to Saturday. I This honestly was the craziest idea at the time. I thought this was revolutionary, had never been done before. I also thought my grades were going to crash and it was going to be terrible and I'd flunk out. But it was not that at all. But I actually did find it really hard. I found it hard not to feel guilty when I wasn't working. And I found it hard to know what to do with all of my extra time that I wasn't spent at the library. But over time, not only did I start feeling better, but my grades got better. I had cut down like a third of my hours, but it made such a positive impact. And then on Sundays, which was my Sabbath day at the time, I got to come to church. I got to go to people's houses for Sunday lunch and do things that brought me life and brought me closer to God. What are those things for you? It could be art, nature, exercise, England winning the football tonight, a joke, sort of. (laughs) If you take your Sabbath on a Sunday, buy yourself a calendar that puts Sunday at the beginning of the week, because Sabbath isn't the end goal of my week. Rest isn't the end goal. It's the starting place. In John 15, verse 4, Jesus says to his disciples, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So if we are like the branches and Jesus is like the vine, it's not just hard for us to go off and produce fruit by ourselves. It's impossible. It doesn't work. 
I have at home this big ivy plant that I've had for years and she's a bit of a beast and for a while she was growing longer and longer and longer at the end and sorry yes I am personifying her but she was growing very long at the end with new leaves but actually all the old leaves near the root of the plant were dying off and they were the ones that were actually healthy and had all the good markings that the plant was supposed to have in the first place. We can go on and on and on and be doing new stuff, but if we're not resting, I'm not gonna be surprised if our roots aren't looking great. How is our foundation? How is our base? Rest isn't the end goal, it's our starting place. And recognizing that, recognizing that rest is our starting place is also helpful for realizing that God isn't just calling us to a restored vision of rest just for our own benefit as individuals, but also because it blesses the community. It blesses everyone. If we're bearing good fruit, if we're getting to rest with God, other people get the benefit of that. They get us being more patient, having more energy for our work and for our relationships. John Mark Comer even describes Sabbath as an act of justice. Remember when shops weren't open 24-7, so employees didn't have to be there 24-7. Real rest can break the cycle of consumerism. Rest is powerful. Restored rest doesn't just bless us as individuals. It transforms communities. So the only way we're going to be able to go forward in the coming months, in the fullness of what God has for us, is by allowing God to restore our rest time with him. So as a little challenge for you all, what I want you to do is get out your phones or your notepads or something right now. If you're at home, get out your diary, get out your calendar, whatever you normally make a note of, of what you're doing in the week. If you don't have absolutely anything with you in the building, then make a note of this in your head, but promise me that you will write it down when you get home. <laughs> so the first thing I want you to do is pick a time this week when you are going to rest with God and write it in. Even if you already do your daily rhythms, even if you're nailing it, add in one more time, it can't hurt. So pick a time this week when you're gonna rest with God. And so the second thing I want you to write in that, alongside that, is pick one thing that you might do in that time. Because sometimes you get to that allocated time of rest with God, but you don't actually know what's, what, what you're going to do. So it might be something more like journaling. It might be prayer or worship, or it could be something creative. It could be exercise, but just something that you know will bring you closer to God. And then the last thing I want you to do is write down who you're going to tell about it. And you don't need to be accountable to someone every single time you rest with God. But I think for those of us who might be using this to kickstart our practices of rest again this week, it can just be really helpful to let someone know afterwards that you've done it, how you found it. It can be really good. And if you can't think of anyone that you would tell about this without it being super weird, email me. I would love to have 50 emails this week about how you've all rested. That would be lovely. So once you've written that down, you can put your phones away again. And let's go forward into the fullness of rest that God has for us. 
So Lindsay is going to come up in just a second and lead us in a response song live, which is very exciting. And I would just love us to take a minute or two to just draw near to God again, even now, to recognize his presence. And I'm just going to read that verse one more time to us. And these are Jesus' words for you. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yeah, so Jesus, as we just remind ourselves now to lift our gaze, lift our eyes up to you in worship, in prayer. Would you come and would you presence yourself again with us here in the building and at home? Amen.